Let us pray. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is thy own. It shall be thy royal throne. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for this day which you have made and your worship to rejoice therein. And so Lord, thank you for being with us since you started this service. Even so Lord, we pray that as we listen to your word, your spirit will help each and every one of us. Help me, O oh Lord, I'm just but an instrument. Minister to your people, the language you will understand. To the praise and glory of your name, in the name of Jesus. Um, today is a great day for us, the fathers. Today is the Father's Day. And also, what the church team has been a challenge to me, I don't know of you, living by every word of God. And the question I always ask myself, are you really living by the word of God, which we read every day? That has been a challenge to me, and all the sermons that have been going on on this team has been anchoring this very subject. So, the fathers, I want to say Happy Father's Day to all of us in Jesus' name. So, we are all celebrating for the things our Father has done for us. We are told to discuss Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1, we are reading to 9, concentrating on verse 2b, unto this man I look. But before they, we have to discuss issue of fatherhood. And we know that the fatherhood of man is derived from God himself, who is the father of all. God is the father of all, is the ultimate father, and for him, the fatherhood of God goes with authority and responsibilities. God is the creator, God is the provider, God is the guide, God is the greatest disciplinarian, and God is the rewarder. Above all, this God is completely and in perfect control of the universe. What is happening amongst us in the world today? We may be surprised, but it's not a surprise to him. His program is running out. But the question is, are you following his program? If you go to the scripture, he had told us, these things of necessity must come to pass before the end. Once you learn from the Bible that Christ is the head, of the Universal Church, Ephesians 1, verses 22 to 23, is the head of the church. And everything the church does is anchored towards that statement he made in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, which we use even in our prayer, I will build my church. Christ said it, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And throughout the ages, 
this process is still going on. But the question is, are you part of the process? Are you part of the process? Are you understand watching what is going on? The Bible says, go ye into the world and make disciples of all men. And that is the mandate Christ gave to us. The father is the visible head of each family. Yes or no? It's also, even in the kindred in the African tradition, we have uh, in the Nsuka area, they call it Unish, the eldest man. And every kindred, there is always a father figure who controls and moderates what the kindred or what the clan are doing. So, in discussing the fatherhood, this position is embodied with a lot of authority and tremendous responsibility. The father, as it were, is a role model. After the seminar yesterday, the, the person who was facilitating the seminar said a lot of things on his background. The background matters a lot. Sometimes I call it foundation. And when he built on that foundation and improved on it, it's time he made reference what my father said, what my mother said. And we as fathers, we are role models, whether we accept it or not. Well, what we do, what we say, like what we say during the playlet or during the discussion, the children will copy us. Every member of the family will copy us. So that role of fatherhood goes with a lot of tremendous responsibilities. The father is the breadwinner. He has to provide for his family. In short, the Bible says, if a man is not able to provide for his family, he says, it's worse than an infidel, and he has denied the faith. So, responsibility of providing for our families rests on the father. The father is the one who protects I remember in those days, they used to tell us that fathers don't sleep at night. They watch over their household. And from time to time, they get out and uh, walk around the compound. That's protection. And when you are going with a child, if anything happens, you say, Papa, Daddy, because he says that a father is, should be strong to withstand pressures. The father also is a disciplinarian, a disciplinarian to the family. And we know that in some families, the mothers may be very, very strong. And the wise father should be careful. Because when you have a strong father and a strong mother, the children are in trouble. So, if you know that your wife is so strong, you try and get the other side to help the children. But parents must work together, like we were told yesterday, because children will look at both parties. Where there is a soft area, they always learn to eat. So parents should talk with one voice. And the, and the children, when they know that you are one, they have no, there is no hiding place. Then they will do what you say you should do. The father is the priest. The priest of the house. We will come, we'll come to that later. So, if you don't know how to pray on behalf of your children, you don't know how to organize family altar, you go and ask God. And you come to the Bible study here, 
you come to the follow-up, you come to some of the activities, you will be helped because you are the priest of the home. Because of the tremendous role of the father, God decided to give him a helper in the woman. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. But you are finding out now that the woman who has come to be a helper, some of us are overloading them. You see 911 from our back clicking. It's a woman on top of that 911, loaded with Gary and all this food stuff. And um, maybe they traveled all night. They come to the town to sell it. The man may be at home resting. And some of these women are pregnant, carrying these loads. Um, they are helpers, but it looks around that they are breadwinners. Bravo to the women. Um, we see here, because of this tremendous responsibility, the men should carry it out in love. Carry it out with understanding and in consultation with other members of the family. We were brought up, at least those of my own generation, once the parents says it this way, there's no room for discussion. There's no room for discussion. They used to tell us in those days, you ask too many questions. If it were in those days, you would have been sold. You would have been sold to slavery. Because what the father says something, no question. But you are in an age where you have to reason. You have to reason with the children. And... Um, it's very important, especially for the younger fathers. You must come to terms with your children. One day, some of my colleagues, I was telling them about football, uh, Chelsea and all, they say, ah, chief, you mean you, live, you watch football? I said, my children are trying to run away from me. I have to come to their level so that you can discuss. But my children like football very much. So if you discuss anything, if you want to discuss anything, you have to bring football. And as you discuss with all, you can put in some other things. So parents or fathers, you must find a way of coming to the level of their children. If not, what you say they will listen, they go out to contest it with their peer group, and what the peer group says is what they take, not your own. But if you come to their level, you will be able to listen. In able to salvage some of these things they pick out. Praise the Lord. We also know that we are accountable to God at the end. God who is the ultimate father. There is something I read in the Bible and when I read it I was overwhelmed. In what Numbers chapter 30 is talking there about the power of the Father. He says that the Father has the power to nullify vows made by members of their family. If he hears it and he doesn't like it, God will not do anything about it. But if the Father keeps quiet, then that vow must be fulfilled. I shouted. I said, what? A human being can stand where somebody has made a vow to God. But when I read it, it gave me a food for thought. That is the level where God has kept man. And to whom much is given, much is required. Some of us enjoy exercising authority and neglect our responsibilities. That is unfortunate. 
Many men exercise the authority, but they don't take the responsibilities. We should watch it. We should also look at some of our fathers who did well. Abraham, our father Abraham, did so well that God has to testify about him in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16 to 19. He said, What shall I hide from Abraham? I know that he will command his children to walk in the ways of the Lord. That is God testifying about Abraham. My colleagues who are fathers, can God say such about us? It's a food for thought. And whatever we do, God knows about it. That God was coming was to command, command Abraham that he knows him. He has worked with him. And because of that, he's, that's why when God was sent angel to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, I will not hide this thing from him. Because he know, I know he will do the right thing. Praise the Lord. What of um, a lot of us run from this this man, Job. We don't want to be like Job. We don't want to have any association with Job. But we can learn a lot from Job. God commanded him that he was a righteous man. A man that fears God. A man for whom there is no reproach. And when you go to Job chapter 1 verse 5. Job was so wealthy that he, the children were having parties all the time. From what we account we read over there. But they say early in the morning, Job will get up and offer sacrifice. I say perhaps these children might have sinned and caused God in their heart. And say he continued doing that continually. The question is, how far have you been praying for your children? By name. Or sold of a woman who has 13 children. And he prays for each and every one of them each day. And that was the mother of John Wesley. And Charles Wesley. And because of the mothers or parents' prayers, the children were able to go where the parents could not go. So I, I call on parents to pray for their children. Our children are facing so much difficulty now. Technology, the hardship, the peer pressure, and so on and so forth. We need to pray for them. Because... What they are facing, we didn't face it. At least myself, we, this phone, this phone and all this electronics are great, great distraction for them. We should pray for them, because what they download from the internet, what they watch with all these movies, they are great things that will deviate them from the word of God. We should pray for them. We should work closely with them. Praise the Lord. We also are aware of some parents who did not do well. The one that comes to mind is Achan. Joshua chapter 7 verse 1. Achan was, as you remember, he was a covetous man. He did that which God said they should not do. And because of that, the whole family perished. So, we should pray for our parents. Because if the father gets this wrong, it affects 
the children to affect the family and affect the future generation. Another person is Eli. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 2 to verse 27 to 31. Eli was a priest of God but because he didn't train his children well the priesthood was withdrawn from the family of Aaron and then given to the family of Ephraim. We saw that when God made a pronouncement because of what Eli did he couldn't bring up his children and at his old age he couldn't do what he ought to have done and the children suffered and the priesthood was withdrawn. We saw also that some men of God may be so busy that they neglect their family. An example was Samuel. Samuel was a seer, was a powerful man of God. He went from um, Dan to Beersheba, teaching people about God, but he didn't bring up his children. We said that the children of Israel demanded to have a king. But that came from the children of Samuel. They didn't do well. They were taken bribe. They were corrupt. And then the nation rose up. We don't want these people. We are old. We want a king. So those of us who are men of God, we should be careful. We should be careful. Because when we are out there, we don't do what we are supposed to do in our home, the devil will take over. God forbid, in Jesus' name. Again, what we are going through in the world today is as a result of what Adam did in Garden of Eden. The fall of Adam. And so, what you do might affect generations. Another point you have to see is that God looks upon a people through their leaders. God looks upon a people through their leaders. And a leader's sin is a living sin. Joel Brown is noted in the whole Bible. He instituted idolatry and taught the children of Israel. Each king will follow that way because evil is easy to emulate than the right thing. So the problem, the big problem with us today in Nigeria is crisis of leadership. Nigerians are good, but the leaders are not leading us well. And that's why we are, we are facing so much problem. And the Bible commands us, like we have prayed, we should pray for our leaders. We should pray for our leaders so that we are able to get it right. So that we will get it right. The same principle applies in any organization, in even the church. In the church, if the leadership is not getting on right, the church will not get it right. Even the family. So, fathers, the question is, have you been playing your God-given role well in your family? How do your family members perceive you? Or even your neighbors? We say here that wives and children how far have you been helping to make your father's body easy? Do you respect? Do you honor? Do you commend him? It is in the light of these challenges in managing our families and offering acceptable service before God that our topic today becomes very apt. Unto this man will I look. 
Isaiah chapter 66 verses 1 to 5. In verses 1 and 2, God is making us to see the wide and great difference between him and man. One, God is the creator. We are the part of his creation. That is in verse 1. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. God's real throne is in heaven. And Paul called it the third heaven. Second Corinthians 12, verses 2 to 4. So what God makes us to see that his throne is in heaven and we are here on earth. The earth which is part of his creation, which we inhabit with all its beauty, all its glamour, all its development in science and technology, is so inferior that at best it is the footstool of God. It is the footstool of God. And God went ahead to buttress this point in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says here, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways, God's thoughts, are much, much far from our own. We should understand that. All of man's efforts to please God has been and continue to be in futility. That's what it says there. Where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all these things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. So all our efforts, God has seized them as nothing. No wonder he says in Isaiah, 50, Isaiah 64 verse 4a, Our righteousness, all our effort to put his right before God, are like filthy rags. It is important for us to get this point clear in our mind so that we might not, we might not be carried away by the glamours of this life, by the fullness of sin and their own ways. There are so many philosophies coming up these days, the so-called New World Order, or New World Philosophy, where they have thrown away God. Just what the Bible says in Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The world today is working to be in full control of itself. We know that um, when this woman who's in the campaign to be the president of U.S., Hillary Clinton, when she was foreign minister of U.S., she called the whole world ambassadors and told them that the 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 last human rights that they are fighting for is same-sex marriage. And they will work against any nation or any people that stands against that. I heard this, not that they told me. I, ha- I saw it on the television. So these things are giving birth to many vices in today's world. 
But this is why I highlighted already in Romans chapter 1 from verse 18. God has given man everything to know that is in existence. But man has gone their own way. Instead of serving God, they went to serve the creatures, creatures of God. Instead of serving God. And because of that, God gave them reprobate minds. So they began to do the base things. This thing did not start today. It was because of that that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. And same-sex marriage, same, a man having sex with a man is called sodomy. Go and check it in the dictionary. So this is today. This is that is heightening today. It's heightening all those things. Bestility and such type of things. They are all being in existence, but they are getting more and more today. So we see these things coming up. But we know that God has always desired fellowship with man. Hence, he made man in his own image and likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. And we know that after the fall, man was trying to give excuses, passing the bulk one to another. But God went about looking for man. And we know that it was Eve that first took the fruit and gave to Adam. But when God came, God knew the whole scenario. But did God say, Ah, Eve, why did you do that? Did he say that? He said, Adam, where are you? Have you taken that fruit I say you should not take? So for men fold, fathers, that is the question at the end of the day. Mr. X, what of your family? Mr. Y, what of your family? Um, I told her, let's go to church. She didn't want to go to church. It is for you to bring up the faith of your wife and your children. Because at the end of the day, you are answerable. We thank God in some homes who may have been brought up and are equally very powerful. And they stand by the man. Like in my home, with uh, some of the challenges I've been having, my wife has been standing in the gap, ensuring that the family altar is maintained. So if, if your wife is not brought up well, and you have a problem, the family will collapse, and at the end of the day, you are answerable. So that is why you should train your wife, and train your children, so that they can continue, even when you are there. Praise the Lord. We now come to Vasib, conditions for acceptable service before God. But unto this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite heart, who trembles at my word. This very second part, I want to, if you go to some other translations, they, they brought these things clearer. I read New King James Version. In NIV and the New Living Translation, it says, I will bless those who have a humble and contrite heart, who trembles at my word. In Good News Bible says, I am pleased with those who humble and repentant, who fear and obey me. And in the Message Bible, it says, There is something I am looking for, a person, simple and plain, reverently responsive to what I say. And uh, from all these things, we see that there are certain things 
God is looking for in anybody he will use. One is humility. Two, a repentant heart. Three, someone who reverently responds to the word of God. Now, humility. Humility is the opposite of proud or haughtiness. Somebody who shows a modest estimate of oneself or one's importance. Some people are carried away by overestimation of themselves. And that's a big problem. God commands us to be humble at all times. In Micah chapter 6 verse 8. God says he has shown you, O man, what you should do. You should be merciful, you should show justice, and walk humbly before you are God. That's what God is demanding for us. And um, we know about the prayer, the story about the Pharisees and the publican who went to pray. The publican, the Pharisees was full of himself, his works and his activities for God. But the, the publican, a sinner in the eyes of the Jews, you know, brought himself so he said, God be merciful unto me, a sinner. And we are told here, that both of them went home, but uh, God commended the prayer of the publican. The Pharisees was talking to himself, was talking to himself, was boasting, and as far as God is concerned, he has no place, he has no chance. And we know that Christ himself took the attitude of a servant, humility. Because I was thinking about it. For God to have left, for Christ to have left the throne in heaven to come to earth, it's a big sacrifice. Even if he didn't go to the cross. Just like calling a white, you know, a white man in their devout place to go into my village and leave. It's a big sacrifice. The white missionaries who came to Introduce Christ to us. They made tremendous sacrifice. Now we ask the question. What are the things. That tend to make one. Not to be humble. And then. Um, some of them may be. Their family background. Their family background. Some of them may be your race. Like the white things that are superior to us. Maybe a tribe, and some of us here downside look down on the north that they are not as we are. Maybe your gender, the male gender, who you think is superior to the female gender. Therefore, you are proud of that. Your stature, I'm a wine. You're beautiful, you're handsome, and that gets into your head. Your wealth, you come from a wealthy family, and that gets into your head. Your education, you're a professor, you're a graduate, you have attained a, a societal height, and that makes you to be proud. Or maybe your connections, like you are connected to the political people, you are connected to the who is who in this country. I remember one man, I don't want to mention his name, when he was telling about his positions, he said, it's highly, I'm highly connected. I'm connected with the powers that be in this country. But we know that all these things are by divine permission. They are by divine permission, as we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 
Say, what have you that was not given to you by God? Then why should you boast? These are by divine permission. And all this is perish with this life. So, who gives you the right? Is it by you are working so hard that you attain what you attain? I remember sometime I was in a consultation in the park lane. A, a man walked in. I was, I recognized him. Or he didn't recognize me. So after attending to him, I called him by name. He was my classmate in primary school. And he had serious health issue. I told him, what are you doing? He said he's sweeping a Kennedy to Chukui's park. I was touched. I said, look at, we studied together. We were in primary school together in far away Niger Sem. I look at me here. I look at him there. It's by divine permission that I attained to be a doctor because he was a brilliant person in our class. But I didn't have that opportunity to be trained. I had that opportunity and I know that some of us in the course of our training dropped here and there by divine permission that whatever height you have attained is God that has made it so. Not that you have worked so hard. I remember somebody here saying the, if the, the way these people, if it's by effort, is this a barrow, barrow man? Well, they work so hard from morning to night by divine permission. That is why you attain any height you attain. And we should be grateful to God and use that position to serve God. Humility. We know there are some men in the scriptures who are humble. And Christ says, the meek will he, the meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It didn't say the proud shall inherit the earth. It didn't say the haughty shall inherit the earth, or the wealthy, or the educated, but the meek. And Christ said we should emulate him, his lowly and meek. Matthew eleven twenty eight. What do we say of Moses? He said the Bible records in Numbers twelve three that Moses was the meekest man on earth. And that was why he God was talking to him face to face. No other human being. I never had such type of privilege. And that was why when Moses did something we call tri- a favor thing, God reacted so hard because he ought to know, because of the height he has attained. So no matter how you have attained any height with God, be careful, be careful, because to whom much is revealed, you expected to humble yourself before God. God, if you think you have reached the height, like, like some of these preachers today, when they come, God has come. When they, like what I had in the radio, he said, before you go to work, come to my chapel there, so that I will bless you. I was so, I was so sad. So it means it's the custodian of God's blessing. When you do something, come to me. Who are you? Men water. Let's just remember that it was pride that ruined Lucifer. Lucifer was the number one angel of God. But when pride entered his head, it ruined him. Isaiah 14, 12 to 17. We are told that pride God, pride is an abomination, a detestable thing before God. Proverbs 16.5 And pride 
God regards pride as idolatry. First Samuel 15:23. God opposes and resists the proud. James 4:6. And the popular saying that pride goes before a fall. So, we should ask God to help us to have a humble spirit, devoid of any form of pride at any time. Because pride can deprive us of many things before God. The second condition is contrite spirit, a repentant spirit, a penitent spirit. Showing sorrow for having sinned and with a resolve, that is the other aspect we don't do, with a resolve not to do that again by the grace of God. The question is, what is your attitude when you are convicted of sin? You say, God, I'm sorry. Um, the children, if you know when they are really sorry, they do something, you say, look, don't do this again. Yes, sir. If you do it again, is that child really sorry? It's not sorry. So there must be a resolve in us, you know, to get away from that. And this, uh, this repentance, the book translation brings it up clearly. In Chayari, you are going this way and you repent. You start going the other way. Inchiyare na inchiyare. That is full repentance. And I think we are having problem with that amongst us. Second Corinthians seven ten says. The sorrow of the world leads to death. But godly repentance leads to life. So we, we know whether, you know what, what, uh, what is they call him? King Saul did. When, when Samuel confronted him with his problem, with his sin, he was more after what the people will say about him than true repentance. And that was why Samuel was so angry with him. Look, you have done what God says you know, you say, look, uh, please help me so that uh, you accompany me to the place uh, so that my people will see me as king. And that's what some of us do. Our repentance is so shallow, it's not deep. May God help us in Jesus' name. We see David when he was confronted with the sin of adultery by Nathan. He made a prayer, which is a popular prayer, Psalm 51. He talks, God give me, he says, the sacred, no, let's go to that, let's go before I, I say it wrongly. Psalm 51. We're not going through all of them. The sacrifices of God, verse 17. The whole of Psalm 51, very important. But I'm not taking a portion out of it. The sacrifices of God, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. That was David. And when he said those prayers, God from his heart, God forgive him, forgive him. And then the result was Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not input iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept 
silent, my bones grew old, through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and so on and so forth. David saw the joy of a repentant heart, of a forgiving sin. That was why he wrote that Psalm 32. So we need to have a, a contrite heart. That is the one that God, that God welcomes. The world today makes life the issue of sin. I, I had again, now they told me, in Australia and New Zealand, they call sin a mistake. Somebody had made a mistake, they call it sin. That making light, sin. And when we went to one Christian conference, I was, I was really, I felt so bad. They were telling us of a story. Christians were going for a picnic. The mother a Christian. He told the daughter, I hope you are with condoms. They are going for a picnic. A pic- picnic. So the level of our Christianity is not the same as them over there. Because their level has gone down. A Christian picnic was telling the daughter, I hope you are with condoms. So you can imagine what they are going to do over there. Their game is as good as mine. So the world is making light. See. Because the conscience has become dead. That's what, what Timothy said. What Paul said in Timothy. Some have feared conscience. They are not sensitive to sin again. That's why the issue of immorality and moral depravity is so common amongst us. We should be careful. This sorrow for sin is needed today. Is this lacking among us? And our brother Paul says, knowing the terror of God will persuade men. Second Corinthians 5.11 we who know the gravity, the consequences, the reward of sin, we should be worried. We ought to be worried as what is happening. And in Hebrew we are told, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. Hebrews 10, 31. Why? Because God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 9. I believe this should put some challenge among us. Really to really get up over the issue what is happening in our society today. The third quality is somebody, the third quality God is looking on a man is somebody's race. Reverently responsive to the word of God, living by every word of God. Are you reverently responding to the word of God you hear, you read every day? What is your attitude to the word of God? The word of God is the mind of God conveyed to man. The word of God is living, it is active, it is unchanging, and it produces great effect. It is only instrument of correction of every man's ways back to God. It transforms and renews our mind to know what is good in the sight of God. There is no other way other than the word of God. Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen. Because of this, we need to hear, we need to read, we need to study, we need to memorize, we need to meditate, we need to obey the word of God. Always. 
for our own benefit. If it is March or football match, we will be able to say if it is two hours, we will be there. But if it is the word of God, 30 minutes, we are feeling uncomfortable. Why? What are the things that hinder us from responding to the word of God? What are the things that hinder us? Think about it. I have here unbelief. Uh, there's a word that has coined believing unbelievers. There are so, so many of them in our churches today. Believing unbelievers. Those who claim they are believers but in action they are unbelievers. Hebrews 4, 1 to, 3, 1 to 2. There it says, the same message that was preached to people in the wilderness is being preached to us. Some of them did not get to the promised land because they did not believe what were told of them. They perished on the way. The same message is being given to us today. He said we should be careful so that any form of unbelief will not be in us. That will make us not to get to the end. Unbelief is a big issue in Christianity today. We claim we believe, but in action we don't believe. Procrastination is another issue. What you should do today, we put it forward. And tomorrow you put it forward. Distractions of life. Distractions of life is another issue. We should get our priorities right. Bad peer pressure, especially for the younger ones, even is easier to emulate than the right thing. Neglect of parental guidance. Your parents will tell you something which they have been in the world before you. They know the rough ages. will be telling the children, don't do it this way, don't do it this way. They say, this old man, you have had your life. Allow us to discover. But unfortunately, some of them perish on the way. They go to the other extreme. Because the peer pressure will carry them off the mark. But parents are telling you, I have gone through this way before. Do it this way, just like the Bible is telling us. Do it this way to help you. But we say we want to do it our own way. And we run into problem. Then benefits of acceptable service before God. This is in verse 5 of the place we are considering. God will stand by you against those who oppose your Christian lifestyle. At home, your place of work, your place of study, and anywhere you find yourself. The Hebrew children who were thrown into the lake of fire, God was with them. Daniel at the lion's den, God was with them, with him. So if you stand for God, definitely God will stand for you. Secondly, you will enjoy divine guidance and you will be fruitful in the work of the Lord. God will guide you. You will be fruitful. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 8 to 11. You will have peace of mind. God will give you peace of mind. Even as his word has been coming on and on to us. That he is with you. He is with you. There will be rough times. But hold on to me. I know the, the road is rough. But hold on to me. I will be with you. I will guide you. And above all. You will, be receive, you will receive a big welcome. Well done. And the crown of life. At the end. So, the whole thing is that 
God is looking for such a man to use. A man who is humble, a man who is repentant, a man who is reverently responsive to the word of God. What type of person are you? Are you desirous to be used of God? Then the conditions are very clear. As we do it, we will do his own. Let us pray. I don't know whether God has ministered anything to you. I don't know the decisions you are making. I don't know what you are taking home. But I believe that you must have had something today. My prayer is that we will not be people who will hear and will not do. But God will grant us the grace that we will be the doers of the word of God. Pray and take a decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Unto this man will I look. Unto this woman will I look. Unto this lady will I look. Are you here this morning? And you do not yet have that witness that you are a child of God. That you have received the peace. That you are born again. You are still struggling. You are still living according to your own manner of life. This is the opportunity that light has come through the world. And those areas of darkness in your life will run away. This morning you want to commit yourself to serve the true God. Like Josiah made everyone to do. That you will have a witness that your sins are forgiven. And that you know peace in Christ. That's your desire. Please wherever you are, raise your hands. Let's pray together with you. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. That is the reason why this word comes. The greatest cleansing of the world is to cleanse from sin. Sin to make you a saint born again. Sin to make you more like Christ when you have come unto him. I want to have that witness in me. That I am a child of God. That I've been restored and justified with him. That I won't struggle all by my own. Please raise your hand where you are. So we'll pray together with you. Thank God for you. Please repeat this prayer after me as you are here. With all penitence and from the depth of your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You love me. You gave your life on the cross. For my sins. Today. I come to my senses. I repent of my past life. And I yield myself to you. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Of my past. And give me the power. To live for you. From today. By your own mercy. Thank you. In Jesus name. Lord as many as receive you. To them you give the power. To become your children. Who were born not of flesh. Not of blood. Not by the will. The desire. The design of man. But by your power. And in that same way that you make a change in a heart. That no one understands. Lord a mystery. Which you work out. You justify us. And count us as if we have never sinned. We ask that you are touched of a change and a difference will be upon these ones. And Lord, their lives will never be the same anymore in the name of Jesus. Let the old pass away. Let all things in their life become new. And Father, lead them in the path of righteousness unto their life end, in obedience to your will, living a holy life that honors you now and the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for everyone who has read your word. We pray for everyone who is here. 
Lord, that your word burns like fire within our heart. And Almighty God, there is a room in our lives and in our hearts, O God, to begin to walk humbly with you, to begin to live in obedience to you, and in the areas of our life where we have not placed it right, where we have compromised, where we have also gone wrong, according to your dictates. And there are before the same you said, O God. My sins are ever before me, and that my heart knows very well. My transgressions are before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done that which is wrong before you. For every one of us whose lifestyle, whose role modeling, whose way of life has not been according to your will and standard, and we have actually disobeyed you, today we will receive a card and we will say we are sorry, forgive us in the name of Jesus. May the turning around and our lives be complete. May we receive a time of refreshing. And may your word come in our way, Lord, bring life unto us. Bring humanity unto us. Bring your heart that is attuned with you. And bring your change that remains permanently in your direction. In the name of Jesus, let's speak into our lives again anew. That this world, as we look by it, will increase in our lives, will not and will prevail in our actions and bring us to success according to your will in the name of Jesus. Open the doors of mercy upon us that our lives will align to you and as students, as workers, as retirees, as husbands, as wives, as fathers, and as children and youth. Lord, we may walk in line with our world, trembling and responding to your word and have destined the fruit thereof in the name of Jesus Christ. Let may you make us great in the name of Jesus. May you make us mighty in the name of Jesus. May you bless us and make us channels of blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. And thank you, Father, because you turn us around and cause the joy of following you to be a passion in this perverse and crooked generation that we may continually shine as a light, holding forth your love. Thank you, Father. As we bring your power to be upon our lives and renew commitment in us to follow and obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. And let everyone say Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus.